probably not as sorry. You good? What were you gonna say? I'm sorry, I was just like probably not as long as the ones with the mocks. Right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Sorry, I'm so stressed about this computer shit, dude. <laughs> You're good, bro. You're good. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Rob and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host Rob Goldenberger, and we're back recapping today the NFL draft. NBA playoffs are going strong. It's been a very, very fun week full of sports. Um, but before we get started, I do just want to say make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the video. We appreciate it greatly. Um, if you just drop a subscribe, it would mean so much to us. Show that you're enjoying the video, supporting the channel. So yeah, go ahead, do that. Um, but with that being said, um, we're just going to jump right into things today. We're going to be starting off here talking about the NFL draft. And it was a... Uh, as crazy a draft as I can remember, to be honest. I mean, the first 10 picks or so were pretty, like, kind of straightforward. I feel like it was predictable somewhat. I mean, the Falcons kind of switched things up a little bit. But other than that, I mean, I feel like a lot of these picks were uh, were the, what people were saying was going to happen of the day. Um, obviously, our mock drafts, you know, uh, I think would have looked different if we did them the morning of the NFL draft. Yeah. But, um, I mean, 11 through, uh, through 20, though, once we started seeing some trades, things got – Really crazy. I mean, I do want to start at the top of this draft, though, uh, before we jump to kind of the craziness that ensued. Um, I mean, looking, I mean, even looking at number one overall, Trayvon Walker, a bit of a, a surprise. Um, I mean, if you said that a month ago, people would be saying that you're insane. But Trayvon Walker goes ahead of Aiden Hutchinson. To be honest, I think Aiden Hutchinson, you know, honestly is happy with what happened because he gets to stay in Detroit. I mean, the Lions are thrilled to have him. I think that. Detroit honestly might be a better situation right now. I kind of like the way Detroit. I mean, I thought Detroit had a hell of a draft. Um, I mean, what did you think about the top of this draft? And then we saw Derek Stingley going number three, two top five corners, two top four corners. Pretty insane. I mean, looking at the first five, what, what were your thoughts about, you know, how it went down? Yeah, first five, all defense, not too much of a surprise. I kind of think it sort of went to plan, as you said, as everybody thought the day of. I think this sort of illustrated that the Texans have their own board sort of separate to everybody else because, I mean, Derek Singley top three was a little surprise. Even though I had him there in my last mock draft, I believe. Um, I, I I mean, I just can't remember the last time these five guys were all defense. Uh, the, the first five guys are all defense. Um, I don't know. Like, pass rushers are just important, man. You could argue that they're maybe the most valuable position in the league today outside of quarterback. And I think you saw that from a week for, with a weak quarterback class, you know, you saw five pass rushers and, and, and two potential, what they're hoping, you know, the CB ones in the future. Like if it's not this, this led with this Tommy, you know, it's like, if this league isn't about getting a quarterback, it's about getting guys who can stop the quarterback. Like that's, you know, that was the strategy. And I think honestly, the big winners of the top 10, in my opinion, were the New York Giants, just because I think everything sort of fell exactly how they wanted it to. They were able to get Neil at seven. They were able to get their guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of think just this, I like five defensive guys fought three pass rushers is very interesting to me. I mean, I think, you know, just so it goes to show you this, I, everything's about the quarterback, even when it's not about the quarterback. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was very surprised. I mean, Trayvon Walker, number one. I mean, we're obviously going to see how this plays out. I mean, th this is really the only, like, since I've seriously started following the NFL, the only situation where I can really remember the number one overall pick being someone who really didn't, like, have old, too much success in college. Like, Trayvon Walker obviously was a good yeah, player, but yeah. 
he really did I, not put up the stats that a guy like an Aiden Hutchinson did per se. Um, I think part of that's because that Georgia D line is so stacked and there's so much talent there. And, you know, the best one isn't even the best player didn't even come out this year. In my opinion, Jalen Carter, number 88 is going to be a surefire is a surefire top five pick next year, which is crazy to think about. Uh, Sorry, Griff. Sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. But um, I mean, we're going to see, I mean, I thought Hutchinson should have probably been the number one guy. I mean, Thibodeau arguably could be the best guy. I mean, it, it, those three guys, I mean, it's really it's really unclear who will who will prevail. And I think we'll see pretty quickly, um, you know, what that case will be. Derek Stingley at number three. Um, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, there was some serious talk that this guy was going to fall at some points to, you know, even towards the 20 range and that, you know, his draft stock had really plummeted after a bad season. And there he is, top three, probably as high as he would have gone regardless of, you know, Yep. If he if he declared after if he could have declared after his freshman year and had that same hype, it's probably the same situation where he would have gone at number three overall. So um, clearly, you see what the Texans think of him. Jets, I thought had a. I mean, we'll talk about the Jets as a whole, but obviously they had a really strong draft, and they also were a team who uh, the board fell their way. And and you know Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, those were the two players. I didn't have them in the right order, but um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. two weeks ago, I, I think I had yeah, Thibodeau maybe last week but i mean after all the reports came out it was clear that you know the jets really weren't too high on him but um i mean sauce gardner and garrett wilson i mean that is heck of a of a of a two players to go get and then you know two of the the picks that i think were really question marks here are the panthers and the falcons i mean the panthers really illustrated early on what the nfl thought about this quarterback class and how bad it really is because they're a team that desperately needs a quarterback matt rule desperately Needed one, potentially needs one. I mean, he he obviously they drafted Matt Corral in the, the third or fourth round, and you know that it, the draft the the board fell their way that that worked out well for them. But you know they went for Ekim Kwanu, who obviously you know that that in my opinion is the right selection there. Um, it was just a question of if will will they go quarterback, and then um, you know Drake London for the Falcons, first receiver off the board, top ten guy. Um, you know we're, we're going to see how these wide receivers. Uh, you know who who was the best. I mean. That wide receiver stretch from uh, from eight to eleven or eight to twelve, I should say. Sorry, uh, of Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, all going. I mean, insane. I mean, what did you? I mean, I guess that's kind of the next point. I mean, these wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, the I, wide receiver I, position right now is yeah, just, just it is hot and and it's becoming arguably one of the most important. Like most teams, because of these contracts that these wide receivers got this offseason, they're drafting receiver and they're they're putting a premium on it. I mean, we saw. Four top yeah, four receivers, uh, six. Top yeah, then they're gonna they're gonna have, they're gonna have to pay them even more than the guys that are being paid now. It's just the funniest part. But yeah, just back to this Walker Hutchinson thing. I mean, I think this is yeah. sort of the ultimate test about the NFL betting on trades. You know, you saw it with Josh Allen taking over Josh Rosen, which a lot of people saw as a more raw guy versus a more polished guy. And I think this is you know another one of those tests about if Trayvon Walker puts it together, the Jaguars obviously believe that he's the best player in this class by a wide margin. You know, this is a guy who can drop into coverage. He can rush the passer from any spot on the defensive line. He can play any position on the defensive line. It's the ultimate test of traits. Obviously Hutchinson and even Thibodeau put together a more complete college career and were much highly regarded earlier in the process, but obviously it's the ultimate test of that and sort of this direction the NFL has been shifting in. So back to the receiver point, to be honest with you, I can't really, you know, give the Falcons uh, an F or an A plus. No, no, no. My thing is just my thing is just like if they thought it, it's all about what their own personal board says, obviously. So it's like Jets. It's clear the Jets thought Garrett Wilson was the best receiver on the board. I think probably that was the case, even if Drake London was there. 
Drake London was the best receiver on the Falcons board. Like it, it all depends. Like, it, so I'm not going to like give them rank on the wide receiver. I just, I'm going to just speak more about the wide receiver position in general. Now. I mean, I guess sort of, I think it's interesting. What's funny is, is that the Falcons took a wide receiver before a quarterback. And I mean, I guess just these teams want weapons to surround. It's funny. Cause like the lions need a quarterback. They didn't get one. Like the Falcons didn't grab one until the third round. Like these teams are more important. We're just more practical. Like you said, with getting these explosive players surrounding their future quarter. And I think, these teams really are just looking ahead to 2023 and 2024. They're looking ahead to Caleb Williams. They're looking ahead to Bryce Young, to CJ Stroud, to Grayson McCall, to Will Levis. Like this year, next year has four quarterbacks that would have gone in the top 10 this year. Like undoubtedly. Uh, the, the, the only questionable one is the guy from Coastal Carolina, but the teams love him apparently already. So, I mean, and then in 2024, you got Caleb Williams coming out already. We know that. Um, it, it's just these teams – are building playmakers for quarterbacks that aren't in the league yet. Cause these teams are preparing for next year. The likes I would have said to the Falcons before the Ritter pick, but the likes of the lions. And I think, you know, the Panthers, these are teams that are looking ahead towards next year. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting. They, they did get Matt Corral, the Panthers, but I, I'm not so sure that these get that these guys in the third round. This leads me to my next point. These guys that are taken in the third round are so you know, I think outside of the Titans with that Tannehill-Willis pairing aren't – like, these teams taking these quarterbacks in the third round are not precluding themselves from taking a quarterback next year. And I think that's really where the ultimate goal is for a lot of these teams. Like, the Atlanta Falcons, I think that does – I don't know how safe Dev- Desmond Ritter is in Atlanta. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, the looking, looking ahead to next year's draft class, I mean, it's it's an insane class. I mean, the, the quarterbacks in that class are going to go and, – and you look at the top of that board and, and the two best guys, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. And, I mean, I'm sure another one is going to emerge right up there with those two and, and be, you know, really probably considered in that group. But, um, you know, I think you're you're looking at a team like like Detroit, for instance. I think the Detroit Lions are, are – I mean, if they land one of those guys, I mean, this has been a, a really successful last year through the draft. I mean, they're really – I mean, they're just – I think what we saw this year, and, and you kind of said it well, is that these teams – in a year where position players and, you know, the, the wide receiver class was extremely strong and the offensive, the top tier um, offensive tackles were really strong teams put those positions out of the quarterback position and said, Hey, we're going to, you know, pass on these guys. And, and at the end of the day, those guys, you know, there was one quarterback taken until the third round. I mean, it's clear that there's not much belief or, or, you know, optimism can uh, uh, surrounding these guys. I don't think I agree with what you said. I mean, I don't think, if Atlanta has number one or number two, I mean, obviously Will Anderson's going to be attempting selection, but I still believe that they would probably end up picking Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I agree. I think Desmond Ritter, the way the board fell to them at that point, they may as well take a flyer on Desmond Ritter, see how the season goes, because you want to have someone there outside of Mariota who, you know, you can develop work on. Maybe the guys really like him. Maybe it turns into, uh, you know, Mariota gets hurt. They throw Ritter in there. He really has success. And then all of a sudden you could go Will Anderson, but, um, you know, it, it's worth a flyer at that point. But I think what we saw is that, you know, since these guys, since these teams clearly spent their first round draft capital elsewhere, um, you know, I think they're looking, looking ahead to next class and realizing that that's going to be a, a strong suit for them and a ability to upgrade then. And, you know, I thought that, uh, I, I mean, I, I really liked some of those teams draft. I mean, I, I the Detroit Lions, I think, had an incredible first round landing. 
Aiden Hutchinson and Jameson Williams. I mean, yeah. Uh, what a draft. I, thought, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't love the Vikings draft at all. I mean, I didn't love that. Like it I worked out. That, I mean, I, I don't know I, I, that trade. I think they could have used the 12th pick. I mean, they, that, sorry for interrupting, but like the Vikings down. are, they traded my, my issue is that they traded down 20 spots to allow their division rival to get an explosive, explosive player. And they did it twice. They did it with the Packers and they did it with the Lions. Like, look at the details of that Lions trade. The Lions moved up 20 spots in the second round. And oh, my, that trade was the first round. Fleece, like, had to get, like, yeah, a complete fleece. I just didn't love that. I mean, I get that, you know, the analytics says that moving down is good. And, you know, obviously it worked out for a team like the Eagles last year. And Vikings are now a very analytically driven organization. But I don't know if I love that. Just, just the fact that you're going to have to go up against Jamison Williams two, two times a year for the next however many years if his knee is healthy. Um, that, that, that's not, not, not good. So I don't know if I would have allowed to, a, a division rival to move up and get them like that, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think the mid twenties or the mid teens were obviously the story of this draft. Uh, yeah. I mean, we can talk about we, your birds. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. We can shift into the Eagle. I love that. I love the, uh, I thought the Kyle Hamilton slip was a little interesting. I think teams are very scared of that 40 time. Um, and I think it's very clear that the Ravens and their players wanted Jordan Davis on their team. Uh, that was their, that was going to be their pick. Uh, and the Eagles had to trade ahead of them to get Jordan Davis. I, I am a big fan of the Jordan Davis pick. I know a lot of Eagles fans wanted Kyle Hamilton, but I, if, if there's a reason he fell, there's a reason he fell in my opinion. I mean, it, this is a guy being talked about, you know, as a potential top 70 guy, but that, that 40 time obviously scared teams, but this is probably a guy who's going to end up as a 10 year pro probably future all pro regardless, but I just think Jordan Davis might have the most upside besides his Georgia teammate, Trayvon Walker in this entire draft. Like this is a guy who figures it out, can stay on the field. And this is a guy who can really truly rush the passer at multiple positions. If he can stay on the field, this is going to be a dangerous, dangerous player. And I think the Baltimore Ravens are very upset that they don't have him. Um, a lot of people we're not. We're upset that we didn't end up getting Jamison, but I thought that the night worked out much better than that. I mean, I'm just very surprised that the Titans opted not to pay AJ Brown. I get he was asking for a lot of money. My thing is, the the Titans are an organization that will traditionally pay their top players. You know, they paid Ryan Tannehill, they paid Lion Howard Landry, they've paid guys in free agency. I mean, I. It's very interesting to me. Um, obviously, he didn't leave on the best of terms. There's a lot of dispute about how much money he was asking for. But, man, the pressure is on Jalen Hurts because that Eagles offense outside of him is playoff caliber, to say the least. Um, and with a good quarterback, you know, they, they might have one of the better offenses, better offenses in the entire league. I mean, obviously, we have to see how Devontae Smith progresses. Griffin, they have a top five offensive line. That quarterback, though, is very questionable, which is why I don't think that they're. It depends. Yeah, it depends what, like, because the thing is, like, I think if you give them an elite, like, one of, like, we've talked so much on this podcast about this elite tier of quarterbacks. If you gave them one of those guys, yes, I agree. But, like, if you threw, like, a, who's, like, a non that tier, like a Matt Ryan on that offense or something, like a good serviceable quarterback, like, I think you could, like, Matt Ryan could win this team like 11 games, I think. Probably. Yeah. But like, what do you win a Super Bowl now? Is kind of Probably weird. not. But I mean, I'm not, I just, 
the conversation surrounding Jalen Hurts is going to be very interesting this year because this is truly a make uh, a make it or break it year for the guy. And look, I don't want to I, I don't want to be this guy because I'm not typically this guy. But the Eagles just gave the largest signing bonus in undrafted free agent history for a quarterback. I think it's clear that they have a lot of interest in seeing what Carson Strong can do if his knees are not like a senior citizens and they're not cooked. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if this guy challenges Jalen Hurts at all, at all or not. Cause I'm serious. Cause this is a guy who back in the college, when the college football season was ongoing, you know, there were teams, I don't know if you remember early boxers, but there were mocks that had this guy going at the back end, the early, you know, back into the first round, early part of the second round. Now, obviously we saw the general side with the quarterbacks that probably wouldn't have happened, but, you know, the knee is the knees are what scared a lot of this guy. My point is Jalen Hurts needs to perform or it could be a lot. It could be quicker, a lot over than the end of the season for this guy, because this is a guy, you know, I think at the very least, this is an Eagles team that's built at least to challenge for the NFC East. I think this is a team that could absolutely have a better record than the Cowboys this year, beat the Cowboys once or twice this year. I mean, we'll see. It's, it's all it all falls on the quarterback shoulders. Yeah, I mean. At the end of the day, you you bring up a good point. Like at, the Dallas Cowboys got a lot worse than they were last year. I mean, you look at all around their team; they've they've lost a lot. I mean, they lost Randy Gregory, they lost Amari Cooper, they lost. I mean, they they've had a lot. And they didn't of, win a playoff game last year. Yeah, I mean, look, I, this Dallas team, their first round pick. I mean, Tyler Smith. I mean, yeah, you know, he's going to be a project. I, which I didn't really understand for a team. I don't know why them. they didn't draft Jermaine Johnson. If we're being honest, I thought. I mean, I I don't know what. We'll talk, about Jermaine Johnson, obviously. Um, we'll talk about Jermaine Johnson. I don't really know why this guy ended up sliding to 26. Um, that still really confuses me. And, and especially for a team like Dallas, I mean, I guess they really like Tyler Smith, but I mean, it really seems like Jermaine Johnson would have been the perfect yeah. uh, replacement for Rennie Gregory. But yeah, I mean, Dallas has lost a lot of guys. Um, I think the Eagles, I mean, Jalen Hurts is, is, I mean, it's. I feel partly bad for the guy because he's played well and like he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere probably if he has another similar year to the one he had this year. It's just I don't know if he's. I don't think he's good enough to be a Super Bowl contender quarterback, and that and that's the problem for so many of these guys. And it's why like I don't want to like repeat myself every week, but it's like with the way with the amount of elite quarterbacks there are right now, these. Mid to like high tier guys are just like, it, like mid tier, not high tier, I guess, but like these mid tier quarterbacks are just like sure. teams are just moving on right away, and it's crazy. I mean, Jalen Hurts is he led the Eagles to the playoffs. Obviously, they didn't have you know the best record or whatever, but he still led them to the playoffs. He played well, and 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 now we're talking about like this guy's going to get moved on from that he's trash, and I get that he's not the best quarterback and that he really doesn't you know show what you need, but like. It's it's crazy and and I agree though I think Jalen Hurts is absolutely going to make or break a year I think you know you look at some of the other quarterback obviously Daniel Jones I mean he it seems like he's out the door at this point already yeah um, I mean there, there's a few other guys I mean whoever Carolina it seems like Sam Darnold's done if Baker Mayfield somehow gets a job it's obviously make it or break it for him um, you know there's a few situations but I mean Jalen Hurts obviously that that NFC East is full of a few guys who are. Uh, on make it or break it years. And, and we'll see what Jalen has. I agree. I mean, I think this Eagles team is absolutely a lot better than it was last year. I mean, they went out and had a good, uh, a very successful offseason, bringing in AJ Brown. They're a true number one receiver. Um, we ha had a little disagreement off uh, throughout the week of, you know, how he yeah. ranks, but you know, 
he's yeah. around he's around a top ten guy or so in that in that discussion for sure. So it gives the Eagles a true number one. He, he's a true number one receiver, undoubtedly. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. I agree with that. And that uh, you know, I think it's going to allow Devontae Smith to really succeed in his second season, not have that pressure of being the number one guy. Um, so I'm very curious to see how this Eagles team does. I think it was overall, I mean, easily a very successful draft for them, drafting Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean. Um, you know, trading for AJ Brown, Carson yeah. Strong, unrestrict, uh, undrafted free agent, absolutely one of the winners of the draft, probably in the top three. I mean, I think you got to yeah, look Jets, at the New York Jets. Yeah. The Jets are yeah, the Jets and the Eagles. The I think are right up there as, as yeah, I mean, probably the, maybe York, the top two winners. Yeah, I think the New York Jets had an unbelievable draft. I mean, I think they got. I almost of, had the Brees Hall. They wanted to trade back up. In yeah, the first almost, round, almost, almost, dude, Ugh. almost. Uh, look, I think that the Jets had a really good draft. Um, I think. They arguably got, you know, wide receiver one and corner one, cornerback one within the top 10 picks. I think, look, like, I think Sauce and Stingley are both going to be in this league for a long, 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 long time. Like, these are both true number one corners. And I think, like, the Jets not having up to give, not, I, I guess we can talk about the Jermaine Johnson slide now. I mean, I don't know what it is that made this guy slide. Maybe it was the, you know, the transfer, yeah. not being able to, maybe it was not being able to. You heard Georgia. Sorry, I real mean, quick. Was, I just want to say something. I mean, it's, the, I think the reason the slide was so crazy is because the day of, we were hearing so much buzz about this guy being like guaranteed to go top 10. Yeah. And, and look, like, like there were guys that we knew were going to fall a little bit. I think, yeah. Um, even, you know, it's, we knew a Tyler Linderbaum was probably not going to go until the mid twenties. We knew Kyle Hamilton was, you know, had a pretty good chance of falling out of the top 10. This it, it it's, it's quite rare. You know, th- there were talks that the Eagles were going to trade into the top seven or, or top eight for this guy. Um, and I think it's clear that the, but based on the jets reactions, the role reaction videos, they weren't expecting that fall. And they made it clear that they needed to get back into the top, you know, 25. But again, like the, the, I think the story with the Jets, like, after this draft is like, now it's on Zach Wilson. It's the same thing. Like Ugh. you get like Zach Wilson has the tools to succeed now. It's He's all probably got him. two years. To He's got two more stuff. years. In, yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like a total Daniel Jones stinker year next year, but uh, yeah. And the, yeah. I mean, if they, if it's that bad and they have a top pick, I, I yeah, they'd have to probably try and go for Stratton yeah. or Bryce Young. And I mean, I, I just look two top 10 pick the, the, uh, the story of this draft is the teams with two first round picks control this draft, controlled this draft. You know, I've mentioned one of my winners earlier in the first round was the New York giants. And now I'm talking about the Eagles and the jets. And these are the teams that had two first round picks. I mean, look, acquiring draft, acquiring more draft capital, even if it's third, fourth round is, is how you play the game in the NFL these days. A couple, I'm just going to use, I'll just use Howie Roseman, I guess. Cause I know him as a couple years ago, he wanted to run Howie Roseman out of town. He turned it around with this Wentz trade. First, he gets a conditional first. Conditional first turns into two firsts. And then you just keep dealing and dealing. Like, teams with first round ran this draft and won this draft. Like, just acquiring more draft capital, like, teams trading down. It's why you saw 12 trades in the first 40 picks this year. Like, teams just want to trade down. It's what they want to do now. As analytics have become more prevalent and, you know, like, strategy is, I think, even more strategy. Like, Like, for example, like, a set, like, in 1999, Griffin, like, seven first, seven overall, the Dolphins traded their entire draft class or to the Saints, or maybe the other way around, to draft a running back in 1999, number one overall 
all. They drafted, they traded their first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks, all of them. Like that would never happen. I think if you get to see this one, you're just going to see so much more trading, so much more looking to acquire draft capital because the teams with multiple first round picks run these drafts. Teams that are trade like, and that's why you're going to see, I think, like a tenant. That's why I was surprised at how low the haul the Tennessee Titans got was because I think you're just going to see teams looking to move stars on for massive, massive hauls even before they start looking for money. Like, I think that this is going to just become this game about the NFL is just going to become all you hinted at earlier, all about becoming acquiring draft capital, all about acquiring cheap contracts. Like, as okay as Jalen is, and as I don't think he is up to the Bills to be the Eagles quarterback, like him being on a second round rookie contract is enabling the Eagles to give this money out. Like it's all about cheap contracts, especially you're going to see at that quarterback position. So I think this is just going to be a league of becoming acquiring draft capital and moving down. And I think you're going to see a lot more trading in future years. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you bring up the point about the Eagles. I mean, you look at what allowed the Jets to have so much success. I mean, Joe Douglas has made, you know, amazing trades. I mean, the Jamal Adams trade obviously was yeah. upsetting at the time, but you turn that into Garrett Wilson. And um, I mean, they had two first, so I forget what they, they might've, who they, I think they traded up. They used that first to trade yeah, up for they, Elijah Vera Tucker. I think last year is what happened. Um, right. And then, I mean, the Sam Darnold trade got them. I, I forget, but maybe they got a second, they got a third or something like that. I mean, they just had all this ammunition to be able to use. And then, you know, they, they ended up trading up in the second round, even to get Brees Hall. I mean, those, the first four players the New York Jets acquired, I mean, this is, this is their chance to really change. The, I mean, this is, this is as good a young core as the New York Jets probably have had in, in a extremely long time combining these last two draft classes. I mean, you've added Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall. I mean, there is so much talent. And at this point, it all falls on on Zach Wilson because the New York Jets have, have done what they've they, they've been, you know, they've, they've done so much. They've, they've upgraded a lot through this draft. They've acquired, you know, Look, are all these guys going to be a, as good as they're projected to be? Probably not. But, I mean, I would be shocked if if at least two of these guys probably don't turn into, like, studs in the league. I mean, these guys are yeah. serious, legit. I mean, I think Garrett Wilson could be an elite, elite wide receiver. I think Sauce Gardner could be up there. Jermaine Johnson, obviously, could be very good. It, it seems like, you know, there's some questions. Brees Hall, obviously, was regarded as the top guy running back in this class. I mean, Zach Wilson, the pressure is on him. Um, we got to see what's going to happen with him, obviously. They've done up, they've upgraded through free agency. I mean, this is this is a big case where Zach Wilson's got to prove himself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, and, and teams with multiple firsts, I mean, Baltimore had another great draft. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, yeah. Linderbaum, they added Ojabo. I mean, let's real quick talk about the, the Marquise Brown trade. I think one of the more – yeah. Um, yeah, strange trades in the draft. Obviously, Marquise Brown getting traded for a first round pick. Um, I mean, look, I understand why the Ravens did it. They got a first rounder for Marquise Brown. Um, but their wide receiver room right now is really, really thin at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, I think their guy, obviously, that they are heavily, heavily Rashad relying, and it's clear that they believe in Rashad Bateman heavily. And look, I mean, I'm not sure I understand it, but to me, I get the point about the Ravens not having wide receivers, but if the Cardinals were calling and offering a first-round pick for Marquise Brown, who requested a trade at the start of the offseason, then I mean, was that public news that he requested? No, a I trade don't or? believe so. But he—I never he, heard about that. Yeah. It came out after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he did. I mean, Schefter tweeted it that he wanted. No, to I know he did, but I'm saying. Oh yeah, sorry, public sorry. News, Like before the draft is what I was saying. Yeah, I didn't think no, I heard no. it. it was never, yeah, it's strange for sure. I think. I mean, I, I just don't get why you would trade a first round pick for Marquis Brown, and I'm sure Steve Kime wasn't too happy with himself after. And what, what happened minutes, minutes later when A.J. Brown was trading? Well, for the very, problem was they agreed simple. to it earlier in the day as what supposedly No, no, happened. no I know. I, I, no, but, yeah, I'm I sure when he I was mean, like, oh, think, wow. Yeah, and you know how he at the last minute was keeping the Titans on the line, you know, trying to push them through after they saw that deal because, you know, it wasn't official until they officially – until the pick was up. But, I mean, like, I just don't get trading a first-round pick for Marquise Brown. These people are like, oh, well, A.J. Brown has to get paid too, like, so does Mark like? Do they think Marquise Brown is going to play for free? I don't like. <laughs> like, I I just don't get trading a first round pick for this guy at all. He's a guy who's shown he's not, uh, he's not up to like he's not up to what to standard to what people thought he was going to be. Trading a first round pick for him in in where we see I just mentioned it like trading first round picks is so valuable. Now the Ravens have Linderbaum and Hamilton, like probably the the two best players at their positions in the entire draft, like. Crazy to me. Crazy that they traded a first-round pick for Marquise Brown. I think at the end of the day, um, I think the interesting thing about this trade is, is actually if you look at now the quarterbacks on both teams, because I think this deal also was to probably try and help soothe the relationship with Kyler Murray, because obviously Kyler Murray, Hollywood Brown, played together in college. They're good friends. It seemed like Kyler Murray probably had a big say in this deal and said, you know, I'm sure Marquise Rand was talking to him saying, hey, I want out. I want to be with you again yeah. to make this happen. And I'm sure Kyler Murray, you know, there's been, you know, all this weird, you know, seems like things are fine, obviously, with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. But there's been a lot of weird, you know, who knows what there. So I think this was a move to potentially soothe some of that. But now, I mean, looking at Lamar Jackson, I mean, Lamar Jackson is really the only one of those is, is the only like major elite quarterback who's approaching free agency that's not on a, a major extension. I mean, the Ravens are a very good team, but I could see Lamar Jackson testing free agency. And I think he honestly should because I think, a quarter, I think a quarterback of his caliber testing free agency. Uh, you cut out a little there, Greg. Okay. I, I see my connection's a little unstable. Um, yeah. Essentially, what I'm saying is that I think that the situation with Lamar Jackson is very interesting because he's one of the only guys that you know still hasn't come out with his contract extension. It's very weird that you know, is this, is he on his, what, fit, is this his fifth year now? Well, no, he was drafted in, he was drafted pick 32 in the It must be his fifth draft. year because he was the Sam Darnold draft. Yeah, 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, 22. Yeah, fifth year. Fifth, fifth year. year, no extension still. It really seems like he's headed, I mean, obviously, I guess they'd franchise tag him, but I honestly can see a scenario where Lamar Jackson leaves Baltimore at this point because, I, I mean, I think it, I think he shouldn't. I think Baltimore is the perfect scheme for him, but I don't know, man. I think it's really weird that this team still has not gotten the extension done with him, that it's still not done. That I, It's very weird to me. I, I think it's very weird, and I think his reaction to the trade, I mean – Obviously, it didn't seem like he was too happy with it. It's, you know, he's really got no weapons. I mean, that's a Mark Andrews, obviously, but it's a very weird situation in Baltimore, I think. Yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, I think I trust the Ravens front office to get it, like, not do something stupid and get a deal with him and make sure he doesn't leave because, like, at the end of the day, 
I mean, there are QBs better than Lamar Jackson. That's all I'm saying. But it's very rare that you're going to find a quarterback better than Lamar yeah. Jackson. Like, dude, that would be really stupid if they did do everything in their power to make him make him stay. And I think that the Ravens obviously have by far one of the best front offices in football. Eric DaCosta, obviously, you know, Tugger from Ozzy has done an awesome job since then. Obviously, we just talked about how they had a great first round. I have faith in them to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson. But look, obviously, they're going to be bidders from all around the league if the guy like Lamar leaves. I mean, there were, you know, there were teams willing to pay Derek Carr 30 plus million dollars. I can only imagine what a guy like Lamar Oh, and only his fifth season would get, but I, I very highly doubt he would leave ever. I mean, or they would let him leave, I should say. I, I, unless he really requested a trade out, which he hasn't done, I, I can I could not see that the, the Ravens under their own power would not want to get a deal done with this guy. Which yeah, which I mean, leads me sorry, which, which leads me back to the AJ Brown trade. It's like this guy is 24 years old and is already a wide receiver one. Like these guys aren't growing on trees. You my thing is you traded AJ Brown for a guy who at best becomes AJ Brown. Like this is like Traylon Burks is absolute peak of his ceiling is AJ Brown. Um, and what happens when Traylon Burks becomes AJ Brown, if he does, which is what you're hoping for, then you're going to have to pay him. Like it's this, it's so what are you going to do then? Like, whatever. I mean, I, these guys, I just don't get trading like, you know, 23 24 year olds at the peak of their powers especially at valuable positions like i understand what the jets did because they traded a safety whose primary role is blitzing it's very different in my opinion but yeah well yeah, yeah. the jets also got two first round picks for, yeah uh, total different. Yeah. which is yeah. i mean pure insanity but i mean i think also i think this year i mean i think that tennessee is just in a spot where they're just not going to be ever good enough to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. And I think that their team is – they're in a really tough spot because they've got a lot of talented players. They've got, obviously, Derrick Henry, who's a superstar. But at some point, Derrick Henry is going to start to slow down. And, and obviously, we saw him get injured this year for kind of the first real time in his career. Um, we're going to you know, we're gonna start seeing him slow down. But they've got a lot of talent on the defense. They obviously have signed so many guys. I mean, it's really tough. But I just think with – Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback and, you know, the way the wide receiver room has changed there. I mean, now you've got Robert Woods coming off the 20 ACL and he's kind of getting up there. Traylon Burks. I mean, it's just not, I don't think this team is going to do much. So who knows? Um, I think this year though is interesting with these receivers in this draft class. And it's part of the reason why Debo Samuel probably ended up not getting traded is because this is a very good top heavy wide receiver class. I mean, so, I mean, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris O'Leary, Jamison Williams. I mean, that, those four guys all could turn out to be superstars in the National Football League. Um, yeah. But that's different than, like, next year, per se, where, I mean, I don't know the class too well, but all, I, I essentially know that you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a drop-off from the rest of the rest of the pack. I mean, this year that was a really Doesn't strong Bama receiver class. Too, Bama I think Bama, Bama has one guy. I think Bama has a guy. But I think it's, like, them two. And then I think it's a bit of a drop off. Whereas this year, yeah, there's, no, there's a lot yeah, of guys. very, very rarely you're going to get a wide receiver class as strong as as strong as this at the top. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see, I can understand teams, you know, wanting to end up drafting, you know, some of these guys. I and mean, Chris Olave at eleven was interesting, but I mean, we've already talked about this draft for a lot. Um, I mean, real quick, let's start. We haven't really talked about the quarterback, so we'll end with that. I mean, the quarterback yeah. in this draft class. Obviously, we saw Kenny Pickett at 20, who, um, you know, it, it appears that he'll be the guy there. I mean, the, I, 
I wonder who will start on, on in the first game of the season, if it'll be Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. Um, I'm very curious to see, but obviously Malik Willis goes in the third round of the Titans. You know, you've got uh, Matt Crowell, third round of the Panthers, Desmond Ritter, third round of the Falcons. It's clear that the, uh, the NFL didn't view these guys too highly. I mean, Malik Willis, I think, was the one where I was really shocked because there's there at, there at one point there was a lot of buzz from Malik Willis about this guy going really high in, and in the, in the end it was pick eighty six. I mean, what was your thought on the quarterback's fall? And you know, what do you think about how these guys will end up? I mean, do you do you really do you see any of these guys? I mean, we've kind of talked about it, but you know, who out of the be- I'll rephrase. Obviously, Kenny Pickett's probably in the best situation for getting playing time, but who out of those guys could you really see potentially? you know, getting a situation for success in, in this, in, on the team they're drafted in. I guess Malik Willis, because the Titans are probably in the best situation out of like the top quarterbacks that were drafted. I mean, I think there's a good shot. Sam Howell takes Carson Wentz's job at a certain point, point this year. Um, I don't know. He's yeah. got Carson Wentz has a lot of money on this deal. Yeah. But he's also, he, he's also terrible. Um, <laughs> he's serviceable. serviceable for a team that doesn't want to make the playoffs sure but i mean <laughs> no, he'll win but, you like eight or nine games yeah but that's not yeah i mean i, I guess with, with a good I mean, he's team good this year he's, got, he's got better weapons to throw to this year than he has probably ever almost in his career yeah outside of 2017 but yeah i agree um look i mean I'd say that the quarterback with the best situation is definitely Malik Willis. And I think Malik Willis will be the starter in Tennessee by the end of this year, despite that Ryan Tannehill contract. Because like you said, like the thing about Malik Willis is that if he fulfills his potential, this is a guy who can compete with that top tier of QBs, like if he can do it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's way too raw of a QB prospect. I think it makes it, I, however, I do like the pick for the Titans a lot because, like you said, I think at certain at a certain point there's going to be a, a youth movement within the Titans. They've kind of realized that this current crop guys isn't good enough. Just funny enough because they really should have beaten the Bengals last year. That was a total choke. They had their shot this. I think yeah. this, their last year they were the ones who that was their the best shot they had. You know. Yeah, and I mean, look, giving Ryan the, there there are no two ways about this. Giving Ryan Tannehill their their, their contract. F- fuck their organization over. Sorry, but fuck their organization over. Like they had to trade it's, away their. Yeah. It's a shame that they like had to give him the contract. And they because did. at the time and they, 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 they had have, to. He was playing well. They didn't have any other options. Like they had to, and it's just it, it messed them up. And look, I think Malik Willis is probably going to be the guy there uh, there by years end. But look, I think it's clear that the Steelers didn't get a memo because I understand that Kenny Pickett they value they they must. My guess is if the Steelers weren't so desperate for, for, for Pickett, Pickett would have been down there with the rest of these guys. I don't think – I think if the NFL was as low was low on all these quarterbacks, then the rest of these teams were low on all of them, in my opinion, like not just Kenny Pickett. Um, and I think that the Steelers probably missed the memo. But whatever. I mean, I, I just think – look, like it, a GM's thought process is – you know, if I pick a defensive end in the first round and he's not good, that's not going to cost me my job. But if I pick a quarterback in the first round and he's not good, then it is going to cost me my job because there's a lot more attention on that. And like, 
I think that's what it came down to. At the end of the day, they were fine with taking risks on guys in the third round. But look, the only reason these guys were talked to so much, talked about so much, is because of the position they play. And I think it's also going to signal a little bit of a. It also signals a little bit of a disconnect between draft media and the draft. So rarely, I think, have you seen draft experts get so much wrong in terms of the quarterbacks because. You know, we thought all these guys, you know, even Hal, we thought would be gone by the end of the third We round. both of us had three or four guys almost. In. Yeah. Yeah. And all of now our look, mock drafts I, going I, for sure. I know. I believe I had three. I mean, look, Matt Corral at the end of the third we round. Had like two in the top ten at times. Yeah. Look, and I, I mean, I, I'm a little surprised at Malik Willis to drop, but look, I, I'm not blaming any of these NFL teams because I kind of feel the same way. Like, these guys aren't up to par with – like just wait a year right? and teams are willing that if you have some patience, your team's going to be set up a lot better for the future. These guys are not on the same caliber as Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Like they're not. And I think Bryce Young is not even close. I think like Bryce Young, like makes all these guys look silly. And like, even I said it in, in a couple of years, like, like Caleb Williams is like, is that dude. And teams know he's that dude. And all they have to do is wait two years. And they're like, Beyond Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud for next year, Grayson McCall and Lil Levis, who I mentioned earlier, but they would have been 2B1 by so much in this draft class. It's not even funny. Like, these are guys who are actually uh, – Grayson McCall goes to Coastal Carolina, so there's some question marks about him. But ever since he's been the quarterback, they've lost, like, two games in two years. So, we'll see. I mean, these are guys that would have 100% been 2B1 in this draft, though. So, I mean, they're uh, – teams want to wait, and teams – recognize that you know taking a flyer on the third round won't cost front office guys their jobs so yeah all right with that we'll move on from the nfl draft i'm sure we'll talk about some of these guys um obviously as we get closer to the season start seeing them in action but uh i mean there's still some nfl pieces to fall we're gonna obviously cover the nfl uh you know as we get closer but i mean this really is uh Kind of the, uh, you know, there's a bit of a lull period that the NFL will start to enter for a few months where, um, you know, things are slowing down and you probably won't hear as much NFL from us. But um, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs right now. Obviously, um, you know, the second round is uh, is upon us. All Are all series finally finished at this point? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so we're in the second round now. Um, you know, the Bucks right now are up on the Celtics by 15, actually. Um, so they've they've made a comeback. Wow, but, uh, wow, wow. Yeah. Wow, um, wow. The Timberwolves series, man. I mean, the Timberwolves just choke the leads every single time. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah, they were the better. Look, the Timberwolves were the better team for seventy five percent of that series, but man, D'Angelo Russell is not good enough. They need to get rid of him because they need someone better to pair with Ant and Cat. You know, if they got a real star, if they got a Damian Lillard in there to pierce run, but D'Angelo Russell was just ironically enough for, for Mr. Ice in his veins. He was not very good enough. He was not good enough in, in, in clutch. So, you know, just bad for the, it's just got to leave such a sour feeling in the, in the mouths of Timberwolves fans because they, you know, I would venture, go venture and say they were the better team in that series, I thought. And they lost in six games. Just a testament to how bad they were in the fourth quarter of the games they lost. Because, man, blowing two 20-point leads at home is disgraceful. You can't have that happen. I mean, I saw it with the Sixers last year. Can't happen. Like, It's a fun team to watch, though. A really yeah, fun then, team it was. Yeah, and Memphis really isn't very good. Desmond Bain is a player, though. Yes. 
I did. I do. I will. I mean, obviously, I did pick the Timberwolves, so I was wrong about that. But I mean, I I just think the Memphis like regular season kind of like. No, yeah, that's why I picked that. It was I just obvious. Like I just don't think this team is did on I pick the level Warriors of four or five. Team. Do you remember? Did I pick Warriors in four or five? I do not remember. But yeah, the Warriors will probably win yeah. in four or five games. I'm sure. Tim, to, to me though, I mean, there's no team here who I could say is the clear favorite. I, I would have said the Celtics before today. I would have said the Celtics before today. I think the Warriors are good. I think they're – I don't know. I, I think they're a little – they do have some weaknesses, though, especially, you know, guarding those big guys in the playoffs, I think, is going to be very interesting. I think seeing how they deal with DeAndre in, in the West and, you know, whether it's Giannis probably or, you know, praying it might be Jeremy, whoever it is in the finals, like, we'll see. And, you know, look – I guess we'll turn our attention just to, you know, previewing a couple of these series. I guess we'll start with Bucks Celtics because it's already underway. But I mean, look, a little bit of surprise in Game One. I, I, I picked the Celtics prior to that series. I'm going to stick with that prediction. A little bit of a scary moment earlier when Marcus Smart might have dislocated his shoulder, but he's fine. No Chris Middleton, but look, I think Giannis is just in a, in a tier of his own. This is a guy who can take over a game, pushing in on both sides of the ball, and he can just take you out of a game, like. The Celtics are really double good. right now. The Celtics are Celtics are really good, but the issue with them is the Brooklyn Nets couldn't play defense, and the Brooklyn Nets were massively overrated coming into the playoffs. I picked the Celtics in six before I, I was a little off. I mean Celtics in four, but the Brooklyn Nets couldn't play defense. You know Jason Tatum was getting in the lane, and Bruce Brown and Steph Curry, Seth or Seth, uh, Seth Curry were there. You know now it's Giannis and Brook Lopez, so. I think that's going to be the key to the matchup is how well can the Celtics get their bat? You know, they've been living in the paint recently and, you know, we'll see whether Jason Tatum can get his, but that's going to be the story of the series. Um, and yeah, what, what do you think, Griff? What, what, what are your thoughts? I think the Bucs are, uh, I think the Bucs are really good. I think that they are the best team right now in the East. Um, even with, I mean, Chris Middleton's not playing, and this team is up right now 16 points against Boston. Yeah, I mean, nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. Giannis yeah. is just so good. I think Drew Holiday is massively underrated. I mean, he's got 21, 8, and 5 right now. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. They're just a good team, and, they, and they've been there too, I think, is the thing. I mean, the Boston Celtics, obviously, these guys are playing the playoffs, but right now, the Milwaukee Bucks have that, that NBA Finals experience. They were there last year. Um, yeah. You know, None of, I mean, obviously I think the Heat, gives you a whole Heat were in the finals, but it wasn't the same. Like being in the NBA finals and having that experience of playing in front of a crowd, a visiting crowd, and, and being in so many playoff games, it's just yeah. so huge. And, it, and I, I just think the Bucks are very – I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is just – he's just so hard to stop. And I think that Boston is going to have to shoot. I, I think Boston is going to be tested offensively, and we're seeing that already. I mean, they're shooting, I think – I just saw it like 32% from the field right now. Against yeah. Milwaukee. I mean, I think that Look, it's a steep difference in what they're experiencing. And I think we're going to, you know, we're already seeing that they're struggling with how to play against a team that's so strong defensively and also has, you know, the most unstoppable player in the NBA, Giannis, who's, you know, 21, 12, and 12 right now. I mean, it's just like, how do you stop this guy? He's sh- Giannis is eight for 23, too. I mean, that's probably, that could be the worst he'll shoot throughout the whole series potentially in a game, is eight for 23. And he's dropping to 21, 12, and 12 on you. I mean, it's just like, what what are what are you supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I also think this idea, like, I, I can't mention it before, but, like, if the Celtics lose this series, 
in seven or in, in less than seven games, then the Brooklyn Nets have to consider blowing things up because I'm I don't sorry. think the Brooklyn Nets should blow things up. I think, that, is I think a, Steve Nash yeah, needs to go, and it's at, insane that he's not really because I don't think Kyrie is up the standard at all. Kyrie's playoff, Kyrie's playoff record without LeBron, and then by record, I just mean resume, like, bro. Come on, look at that. It's like it's like 21 points per game on like 41% shooting. Like Kevin without LeBron is terrible. And like, I'm sorry, but like Kevin Durant just is not in that top tier of guys that they if they get something. But like back back to my thing. Back to my back back to my point. And I'm not sure you can disagree with that considering that he hasn't won without Steph and he hasn't like like he he was hurt for most of the season. Like he came up and was small in the playoffs. Like I don't know how you can put yeah, it on that. He had a they had a bad, a horrible series, and all like a, a horrific. Him and Kyrie had a horrific series, horrific. Like, but this is a team that like is relying on Ben Simmons to save them. But that's another point. But back to the Boston Celtics. I don't want to make everything about the Brooklyn Nets like ESPN does. So let's just go back to let's go back to the Boston Celtics here. Look, I'm not counting Boston out of this series because they're down. You, you know, they're down by double digits in game one. But it's just going to be so tough for them to get the buckets that they did in the Nets series, and they're really going to have to grind way harder. Like Al Horford was dominant in that series, and that's just not going to be the case in this in this Nets in, in this in this Buck series. And I, I keep going back to it. I, I've said it a couple times in this podcast before, but Brooke Lopez returning really changed the course of the Bucks season because you know there's a point where they're only six, seven games above 500. They're falling a little bit. They have lost a few straight games, and Brooke Lopez can't, has come back. And Brooke Lopez's career reinvention has been insane because this is a guy who took 11 threes for like seven years in his career. Now he's like a 40% dead eye seven foot sniper. And it's just one of the biggest weapons on the floor, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And like you said, the Bucks defense is just stifling. Like Drew Holiday, Giannis and Brooke Lopez on the floor is just utterly absurd. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be tough for Boston here to get their buckets. But I still, uh, I still think Boston is, is a really great basketball team, and I think this is a series that's going to go going to go far. We're going to see. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, I think with that, we'll turn our attention though to uh, to the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, I feel like we touched on the Warriors. I think we both honestly think the Suns will probably beat Dallas. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great series, though. I mean, this is going to be a test of Luca's greatness. That's going to, that's yeah. that's what it'll be a test of Luca's greatness because that Phoenix Suns team is going to be healthy and ready to go. Yep. Um, all right. So the last thing we'll talk about today: Sixers Heat. Um, obviously, Joel Embiid is really, really banged up right now. He's you know you they're saw the Woj bomb that you saw the Woj bomb earlier though. Three or four is what they're saying right now for Embiid. I mean, the Kyle. However, the Miami Heat. Did you see their injury report today? Kyle Lowry out for tomorrow. Jimmy Butler questionable. Tyler Hero questionable. Max Drews questionable. Gabe Vincent questionable. Five rotation members questionable or out for tomorrow. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, look, it's it's going to be tough without Joel Embiid. This is going to all depend on whether we see either Tyrese Maxey explosion like we did when the Heat, when the Sixers beat the healthy Heat without, you know, Joel and James a month ago. If a Tyrese Maxey explosion occurs, I mean, I think anything is possible. And obviously the main thing that's relying on, as you know, is 
can James Harden truly be James Harden? Can he be the one A? Can he be the guy when asked to be? And, you know, we'll see. Because if the Sixers steal one game in Miami without Joel and you see Joel in that face mask coming back to that insane Philly crowd tied 1-1 in game three, it's going to be tough for the Miami Heat, especially with what seems like a really, really injured Kyle Lowry, who's, you know, they've had five days off and this guy missed game five and six and he's still out. So, I mean, we'll see. It sucks for him. But look, I mean, you know, he, I, I think that the Heat are probably going to grab both in Miami, but if the Sixers can steal one, I think this series becomes very interesting. I think that uh, – I think this is really unfortunate for Philly because it's just – it seems like the same thing is just happening year in and year out, and it's just – they just can't get a run where they have their whole team healthy and everyone's good to go. And even if guys are slightly banged up, I mean, Joel Embiid, I mean, it's – what do you have? He's a warrior, finger dude. issue. A warrior. Yeah, yeah, he really is. But I mean, this guy's going to be out of, he's going to be, his body's going to be broken by the time he's like 34, 35. I mean, it's so unfortunate because Joel Embiid is just not going to have longevity in the NBA. It's just, it's, there's just, it's just impossible at the Brady suffering injuries. But I mean, a healthy Joel Embiid, and I think the Sixers are, you know, going to win this series. But all of a sudden, I mean, Joel Embiid is dealing with what? He's got the orbital fracture now. He's got, He's yeah, coming off a concussion. He'll be yeah, the the fraud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, we'll, what is this finger issue or? Yeah, the finger issue. I mean, I mean, it's, it's I think Joel be be- because the issue is that like it's not a matter. Like, I think he can play through it. It's just a matter of like other teams are going to be constantly trying to reaggravate both of those injuries. So it's just going to be hard for him to focus. Like. Like I said, this depends on like whether James Harden can have a return to form. So like. That's it. And like, I think what this really does though, is just it, like, it solidifies like the Bucks, the winner of the Bucks Celtic series. If like, cause like the heat to me just aren't up to the standard of these three other teams and all four of them are healthy. Like I think the Sixers sort of ran through the heat. I think the Raptors might've even been a tougher matchup, honestly, like whatever, but it, it, it's all right. I mean, and he fucking breaks his eye and he's never able to play again. Like that would be like one of the, just don't do that. Anything that, cause this is a guy who can still be dominant. Like you said, he's only 28 years old. Like this is a guy who can still be dominant for two, three more seasons. Like don't ruin the rest of his career because you know, they want to force him to play through this. But look, my other thing is like with something as serious as an orbital fracture, if they seriously believe that he can play through it and like, won't be limited, like then I have the same feeling like, cause I feel like they want to take a risk with something that severe. And if he really doesn't need surgery, then he doesn't need surgery. Like the, like he missed three weeks last time and had to, and had to have surgery and came back funny enough with the mask against the Miami heat, which looks like he's going to do the same. looks like he's going to do the same thing here, but it, you're right. It does suck. Cause like, this is a guy who has been through so much. He's been through, he's recovered from so many injuries, you know, obviously came to a foreign, like came to a foreign country, young age injury. Like this is a guy who's just fought through so much, missed his first two years in the NBA because of injuries. Like, and now he's there. And now it's finally, he has a superstar teammate. Finally, now they're primed for their championship. And finally, and like, he's hurt. Like, this is the first year he's been healthy all year. And now he's hurt. It just sucks. I mean, hopefully this is a string of healthy years for him. That's what you're hoping for, that he can maintain his form for the regular season. But the, the, the other thing that sucks is that it's these injuries didn't happen because, you know, he has this fragile tag on him, which, like, I don't really agree with. But, like, you know, the freaking, the first injury he got his 
thumb caught in a jersey of a Raptors player and it twisted the wrong way. And then the second one, obviously, Pascal Siakam, you know, he caught an elbow in the face. So it's like, it's just unfortunate for, for the guy. But I look, say this whole the dynamic of the series heavily changes if the Sixers can steal one in Miami, which I think could be tomorrow. Your best shot is tomorrow night if Jimmy is questionable and Lowry is for sure not playing. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this comes down to James Harden, and I think this is his uh, his big moment. If if he is, uh, I mean, if James Harden yeah. comes out this series and just absolutely stinks, I mean, I, I don't know if you could justify giving this guy like a super max contract. It's no, very yeah, I, interesting. I would be shocked. I think the only way that he really gets a super max from anybody is if he if we get to the conference finals at least. Like, I think a possibility is like. If we lose in the second round, he could sign a max here, and we could sign a third star. Like I think that's, I think that, I think that's the plan. If we lose, if we crash out, or if we crash out early. Sorry, keep going, though, Griff. No, I, th- I think this is a, a case where James Harden has got to show what he's made of, and show that you know he's still good enough to be a, a superstar. And uh, you know, I think his his legacy is honestly on the line in this series because he's not won much in his career. I mean, he really hasn't done much. Every yeah, I mean, he's gone. He's made the playoffs, sure, but has he done anything there? No, he's never. Uh, I mean, outside of I guess the Thunder seasons, where he he really wasn't, you know, a superstar. I mean, and, and of course, a lot of that is just like that. It a, a lot of that is like bad luck that he had to go up against the greatest, sure. one of the greatest dynasties to ever play the sport for four straight years. I mean, like it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. For me. Like, and the Chris Paul. I mean, he had them beat them. He had like. Sorry, I, I'm going to defend James Harden's reputation just for a second. Just for a second. Like, this is a guy who in 2019 averaged 34, 10, and 8 against the against the Rockets with extremely injured Chris Paul. In 2018, had the Rockets had the Warriors down nine at halftime, up three two when Chris Paul hurt his hamstring. Like, this is a guy who got who's just been so unlucky. And I think he has this really bad rep as as a bad playoff performer. And in reality, like you compare like the likes of him and Steph Curry's playoff numbers, they're really not too different. Like. Well, I don't like, think Steph Curry is like a playoff superstar either, though. No, but like even like even like I'm gonna send you a graphic after this podcast ends that I, that I think you'll find very interesting. But like we'll see. I, I just think, but you're right. Like in terms of legacy, like one of my main points by mentioning all those facts is like none of those facts matter. Nobody cares about that. But like if James Harden goes in solo and beats the Miami Heat, like. This is his time to shine. You're right. This is his, this is what he will be remembered for, whether he likes it or not, whether a Harden fan like myself likes it or not. Like this is what he will be remembered for forever. Like not the thirties, not averaging 36 a game. Like this is what he's remembered for. Yeah. And it's, it's really a huge moment, I think for his career right now and and what's going to happen in the future, because at the end of the day, if he goes out and performs and, and, and some, you know, let's say wins these two games for, for the Sixers against Miami, He's setting himself for a huge contract. We'll stay in yeah. Philly, but if he goes out, he knows there and, it too. Look, he knows that too. And but if he goes out there and is a nightmare for these two games, the Heat go up two zero, and you know the the Sixers can never recover. I, I don't know, man. It, it's really tough, and I think Embiid being out is just it's it's so unfortunate because it just seems like every year the Sixers team is just struck with something of some nature. I mean, obviously last year it was just. They just weren't good enough. And obviously, we'll see what happens this year. I'm very curious to see. Um, But, yeah, I think that will do it for this week's episode of Outside the Arena. Thank you guys so much for watching. 
Um, if you haven't already, please like, comment, and subscribe on the video. Um, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Outside the Arena. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Outside the Arena Podcast. Follow us both on Instagram. That'll be in the description. And yeah, with that, uh, thank you guys for watching. Take it easy, and uh, we'll see you all next week.